Minnesota Hospice Radio Show brought to you by Minnesota Hospice. My name is Ken Hagland, President of Minnesota Hospice and your host for today's program. I am joined by two co-hosts today that I have had the privilege and honor of working with for several years. They are Reverend Debbie Meckley, Chaplain and Spiritual Care Advisor, and Medical Social Worker Heidi Simon, Licensed Generalist Social Worker with a Master's Degree in Social Work. Thank you both for being here and sharing your expertise and experiences on today's program. Very happy to be here. Yes, thanks, Ken. Great to have you guys. Um, what an exciting week we've had since the last show. Uh, I wish our listeners had the opportunity to talk with us about all the things that we do every week. Um, we are we are so honored to have that privilege of working with our community. Well, we are excited for the opportunity to continue having a weekly conversation about end-of-life health care. We believe hospice is one of the most important specialties of the healthcare continuum, but also one of the most misunderstood and unfamiliar healthcare options available to people as they approach the end of life. Minnesota Hospice is a medical practice specializing in guiding patients and families at the end of life. We were founded by local physicians to improve the model of hospice and to create the gold standard in end-of-life care in Minnesota. We believe in the golden rule of serving others as we would like to be served. This principle drives our, commit, our commitment to be an advocate for our patients and to provide comprehensive personalized care to both our patients and their families. Our office is located in Lakeville, Minnesota, and our agency has been serving local communities for 10 years. We currently provide outpatient hospice services in the Twin Cities South Metro area and Southern Minnesota communities. One of our primary missions at Minnesota Hospice is to increase the awareness of the benefits of hospice by providing information and education for our communities to empower patients and families to make informed decisions regarding their end-of-life health care options. In addition, we are dedicated to providing comfort and compassion through extraordinary care, along with hope and inspiration through encouragement and innovative services. Last week, we discussed two topics. The first topic was on the history of hospice when it started, and how it developed as a formal healthcare practice. The second topic we discussed was titled Hospice, The New Face of Hope, where we talked about how to approach the end-of-life experience and explore the many ways in which hospice can benefit the patient and their family. Today, we will begin discussing a two-part series titled Grief in the Holidays. Today's topic is Grief in the Holidays, Shifting Traditions. But first, I wanted to briefly recap some of the topics we discussed last week. The first topic was the history of hospice. The second topic was titled Hospice, the New Face of Hope. Many people we talk to on a daily basis are confused or unfamiliar with the practice of hospice. The term hospice can be traced back over a thousand years when it was referred to as a place of shelter and rest for weary or ill travelers on a long journey. The name hospice was first applied to specialized care for dying patients by physician Dame Cicely Saunders, who began her work with the terminally ill in 1948 and eventually went on to create the first modern hospice, St. Christopher's Hospice in a residential suburb of London. In 1969, two years later, a book based on more than 500 interviews with dying patients was published entitled On Death and Dying, written by Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. It identifies the five stages through which many terminally ill patients progress. The book became an international bestseller. Within it, Kubler-Ross makes a plea for home care as opposed to treatment in an institution setting and argues that patients should have a choice and the ability to participate in the decisions that affect their destiny. A few years later, Florence Wald, along with two physicians and a chaplain, founded the first hospice in the United States, in Connecticut. And uh, since that time, in the, in the 1980s, um, Congress created Medicare benefit uh, to be a permanent part 
of the Medicare benefit. And uh, since then, the, the hospice practice has grown significantly where there, there are now thousands of hospice organizations across the country. And last year, uh, over 1.6 million people um, uh, participated in the hospice program. All right. Um, with that uh, brief recap here, let's um, let's look at uh, taking a, a look into our first topic today, and uh, we want to focus again on grief in the holidays. Um, today's uh, focus will be on shifting traditions, and um, I want to um, talk about that with our our guests uh, Debbie Meckley and uh, Heidi Simon. Um, so Debbie, the holidays are upon us. And this can be a difficult time for many, uh, as we know. Yeah, you know, holidays traditionally are a time of celebration and joy. People get together. Um, there's cheer and sharing of stories. And um, But um, that's not the case for everybody, especially when they're in a time of bereavement um, and grieving. And there can be this understated discomfort, you know, at our gatherings with our families. There's mm-hmm. this um, unstated um, uncomfortableness about the sadness that they might feel, the conversations that they might not be having. And um, for some, um, uh, this can be um, a time that they don't look forward to, to getting together where they used to. So I encourage um, families to shift the tradition. Because the truth is it will never, ever be the same. Um, We need to make some adjustments, and that might be to open up the conversation about that family member, tell some stories, bring some joy to it, light a candle, tell a poem. Um, You know, have somebody in the family, each tradition, each season, do something that that person used to do. Um, I know that my dad, um, all of our growing up, um, loved the Yellow Rose of Texas. He wanted that played at his funeral, which we did, and for many years, uh, he uh, made his transition. He passed on Christmas Eve, and so that was could have been a very, very difficult time for us for years and years to come. But we played the Yellow Rose of Texas, and it you know brought us some joy and some laughter. So, um, and I recommend have a plan B. You know, um, sometimes just having a plan B for the holidays um, in and of itself is enough relief to get through them. But if your grief is raw, if it's too fresh, I say cancel the holiday. There'll be plenty more from year to year. The holidays will always show up. And um, be it what it is for you. The grief process is as um, individual um, as the person who is experiencing um, that process. Mm-hmm. So, so how do we help someone in their grieving? And that's a very difficult thing that I think a lot of us really struggle with. Um, sometimes we not, may not know what to say, and, and we really have an awkward silence. And I think a lot of people just avoid it, which really, as we have found out, is not the best approach. Right, right. Well, grief is a form of stress. And um, actually, you know, does cause dis-ease or dis-ease in the body. But, you know, I find that when we ask, can I help you, it's with the best intentions. But sometimes the best thing to do is just do something. You know, when you ask somebody, can I help you? Can we get together? Can we talk about how you're feeling? Can we talk about the grief that you're going through? Um, It's almost an anticipatory get-together that doesn't feel very good. Just go to coffee, go to dinner, go out for a glass of wine, whatever, whatever that is. But create a space for stillness or an opportunity for that person to be vulnerable and just know that you care for them, that you're holding them in your thoughts. And that can be a very, very powerful healing and it can be empowering to that person sometimes just a hand to hold and a heart to understand goes a long way because we all want to be understand and be understood um so you know love and time really do heal this kind of pain um but surely time as we've heard um all of our lives i think um does heal all wounds and i believe that that to be true mm-hmm yeah, we've only got a couple minutes left here in this first segment. Um, what I do find that people do struggle with is feeling like they have to say something. And I, I and what, one of the things I think we've learned a lot is that a lot of times just being with a person, just that physical presence, and there's no obligation to say anything. In fact, you've always said, let, let that person who's grieving, let them kind of guide the conversation. Mm-hmm. Let them let you know what it is. 
Yep, absolutely. Um, and that's where that human compassion comes in, yeah. where sometimes it's uh, just being present for somebody and not having the expectation that it has to look a certain way. If you think about somebody, pick up the phone and call them, even if you don't reach them. Leaving them um, a message of caring and hope um, goes a really, really long way. Yeah, yeah. No, that that is great. I, I think especially at this time of year, um, when people are, are getting together, and it's tradition of, of um, greeting people and talking about what's going on the last year and what's going on, what's, what, what their future plans are. It's very difficult when, mm-hmm. um, when someone is, you know, has incurred a loss yeah. and how they're going to, you know, how they're going to respond to that. And, there, and there's no timeline either for that, is there? Right. You know, grief is not an event. And bereavement in and of itself is before, during, and after. It's not just after the loss of somebody, um, but uh, recognizing that um, it is it is something that yeah. does take place and comes up for the holidays. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, this is a great topic, and we're looking forward to spending some more time on this. You are listening to the Minnesota Hospice Radio Show presented by Minnesota Hospice. We will be right back with our discussion on grief in the holidays, shifting traditions. Sing them more my songs and I can tell them stories. Most of my boys are with me, some are still out seeking glory. And some I had to leave behind my brother, I'm still... Hi, this is Norman Goldman from my favorite Minneapolis furniture store, Habitation Furnishing and Design. Let me ask you a question. Do you enjoy your home? Does your furniture make you comfortable? Are you proud to have guests over? With the long winter months shutting us all in and the holidays fast approaching, I encourage you to visit Habitation St. Louis Park Showroom to see what potential awaits. Let Habitation help you craft a space that makes your home the place to be this holiday season. Check them out at HabitationDesign.com. Tell them Norman Goldman sent you. It's a good day to be indigenous. Native Earths Radio presents I'm Awake. Our weekly Native American talk radio show will discuss national and local Native American news and events. Local and national guests will help us keep current with Mother Earth, tribal, and Twin City issues. Native American issues are human issues. We invite all people to walk hand-in-hand with our struggles, victories, and achievements. Listen Saturdays at 2 p.m. I am awake. Chunk Gaming Wisconsin, wherever you are and however you like it, we're just the place you're looking for. Six unique, fun, exciting, winning destinations located throughout central Wisconsin. Make your rounds to Wittenberg, Nakusa, Black River Falls, Toma, Madison, or Wisconsin Dells for the hottest slots, most exciting games, award-winning guest service, delicious food and spirits, lodging, and live entertainment. Join the Ho-Chunk Gaming Rewards Club for free. And with a single card, you can earn valuable points no matter which of the six locations you choose to play. That means more exclusive offers, giveaways, cash back, discounts, and much more. Visit us online to see all we have to offer and find the fun times nearest you at HoChunkGaming.com. So wherever you are and however you like it, we're just the place you're looking for. Ho-Chunk Gaming, Wisconsin, Wittenberg, Nakusa, Black River Falls, Toma, Madison, and Wisconsin Dells. Experience the difference. Ho-Chunk Gaming, Wisconsin. Must be 21 or over to play. With all the convenient big box stores that sell appliances, why do so many Minnesotans choose Warner Stallion? Check online to find that Warner Stallion is a Minnesota family-owned business for over 60 years. Warner Stallion offers more appliance brands than any other, and our passionate specialists are motivated to impress you so much that you will refer Warner Stallion to everyone you know. That's our mission here at Warner Stallion. Ask around, check us out online, and when it's your time to buy new appliances, join nearly 300 Minnesotans and choose the appliance specialist, Warner Stallion. Join us at also Inga Bretson's Coffee Bar and Gava Boutique, which is Norwegian for gift shop, at Norway House on East Franklin Avenue, where we can help you find the perfect Nordic-style gift. After shopping, enjoy a waffle dog, a favorite snack in Norway, which translates well here. A hot dog dressed with Jarlsberg cheese and topped with lingonberry jam, wrapped in a warm waffle. Also Ingebretsen's Coffee Bar and Gava Boutique is located within the Norway House at 913 East Franklin Avenue and online at ingebretsen's.com. to the Minnesota Hospice Radio Show. My name is Ken Hagland, and I'm one of your hosts today. 
in the last segment, we talked about about uh, hospice uh, and grief in the holidays and uh, the shifting traditions that um, can make for that transition to be much uh, better. And uh, uh, Debbie Meckley was, uh, was discussing that with me. And uh, it was really nice to be able to, to talk about some of the, 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 um, the situations where people feel like they get into and they feel they need to say something or they need to address that loss. And that isn't always the case. Um, and we're going to talk more about that here in the next segment. And we also want to touch on uh, the importance of self-care during the grieving process. Um, we, we find that a lot of people don't do a good job of that. And, uh, and that's really important uh, to be able to help to move through that process in a healthy way. Um, Deb, why don't you continue on here with our conversation? Yeah. Well, you know, the holidays, as we all know, can be stressful for anyone, but when that's complicated with grief, um, it has a physical toll on one's body. Emotional stress is um, complicated by physical means, and uh, I said earlier, grief is not an event. It's not something that you just move through and then it's gone. Grief is pain. It's the pain that you feel from the loss. It's the sorrow, and we have to allow that pain to work its way through our bodies as well, not just through our emotional being. It's a very spiritual process, and we need to see our own healing from the inside out, and that means facing the pain or leaning actually leaning into your pain. Pushing it down doesn't release it. I say if you have 500 tears to cry, don't stop at 50. You have to keep going. Tears simply imply that we have a lot of love that we feel. Um, And grief will never leave our side, but it does change its face over time, going back to that um, time healing our wounds of grief. Um, So the pain of losing someone, it's always going to be there, but it will lose its intensity over time, and more joyful feelings um, will uh, come back. Um, You know, I, I think about my mom and the grief Um, in the beginning was intense and it was painful and it was tearful but over time it became more smiles and chuckling and remembering so the grief will always be there I'll always miss her but I can laugh again you know and that will happen for everybody well I know when you do talk about your mother um, um, with great reverence and uh, and great joy I mean she was uh, very helpful in you getting into the hospice profession, and uh, you know we're we're so grateful for that. You, um, uh, I think your story is really fascinating. I'd, I'd love at some point to be able to talk more about that. Um, but but getting back to the topic here, what what are some of the things that we can do to heal and redirect our grief or our state of mind during this period? Well, everything emotional. Uh, Ken is spiritual. Um, I encourage folks who um, are uh, part of church or organized religion, if that's what works for them, um, find prayer partners, find support um, in that connection. But reconnecting with yourself, no matter how you do that, whatever resonates with you, is the most important thing. It has to feel good to you, whether that be um, walks through nature, meditation, which comes in so many different forms. That can be walking, music, stillness, journaling your feelings. Um, they're all ways to reconnect with your emotional pain, to move it through your body so that you're not pushing it down. And remembering that your grief, it's not something that is happening to you. It's something that's happening through you. And I really want to reiterate that, that it's not happening to you. It's not a victimful thing. It's happening through you, and you get to choose what that looks like as you move through it, how fast you move through it, how fast you hold on to it. And so I say do take time to pause and catch your breath. And I personally cherish my relationship with Mother Earth. I walk, I find clarity, peacefulness. After all, isn't that what we're looking for when we're um, trying to heal? I also belong to drumming circles, which are an amazing way to release and shift your vibration. Uh, Women's gatherings, book clubs, there's all different kinds of support groups um, out there as well 
to help people move through their grief. Um, I've also been a part of Northfield Grief Support Coalition in the past, and I understand that they have a couple events that are coming up to support people through their bereavement that are that will be taking place before Christmas. Um, so often speaking to others outside of your immediate circle of family, that can bring you new insights because your family are going through the same grief process as you, and sometimes we just need to... Um, reach for something outside of ourselves yeah well that's great the um i recall reading a book years ago that said uh, the title was feelings buried never die and i i noticed that in our practice um, a lot of the work that you do with both patients and their families because during a time of of a person's passing before during after a lot of raw emotions are there. And a lot of times it, it seems to me that, that death is a time where you're kind of facing those emotions and facing those feelings that you may have buried, you may have pushed down over the years. And, and really that's a time, and maybe that's part of the cycle of life here, that you need to get that healed. You need yeah. to get that out. And I know you guys, both you guys are just such experts in helping people deal with those emotions. Yeah. Um, we've only got a couple minutes here left in this segment. I wanted to just see, is there you know, any, any um, uh, discussion you want to maybe have more about, about how people uh, approach getting those feelings? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, we're talking about shifting yeah. traditions, and that's really important because oftentimes, um, and, and it perfect example of this is I worked in obstetrics for years and young women, young mothers would come back in for their six, eight week checkup and they'd be like, oh my God, I just cannot wait to get back to my normal. Hmm. And that was their struggle was that they were trying to get back to the normal when in fact their life would never ever be the same. And it's the same thing with um, bereavement. And so finding a new tradition or shifting your tradition just a little bit, adjusting it, can make all the difference in the world. Um, so I encourage people do that. Find something at each one of these traditions that brings you joy, a mm -hmm. smile, or a different kind of vibration in your in your body that you can feel that's going to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And um, encourage your family to do the same. Bring something to the table that says, you know, we got this. We can move. We can keep on moving. Well, and it can be a simple thing, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it doesn't... I think a lot of people think they got to do some big thing. No. And it really is just a simple thing. Mm -hmm. It may be just to get up in the morning and having a different thought mm -hmm. that you that you never had before. And And... I know reflecting on just some of the joys and the experiences you've had with uh, that loved one that's no longer here. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it can be simple as a toast, lighting a candle, right. reading a poem. Right, exactly. Yeah, telling yeah. a joke. Right, right. Well, that's, those are fantastic. Uh, great ideas, uh, Debbie. Um, well, let's, uh, I want to get uh, ready here for the next segment. We're going to be talking with uh, Debbie and Heidi next segment, um, and we're looking forward to that. So, at this point here, we want to let you know we are you are listening to the Minnesota Hospice Radio Show presented by Minnesota Hospice. We will be right back with our discussion on grief in the holidays, shifting traditions. Seasteads, the family-owned flooring business that's been serving the Twin Cities for 100 years, has plenty of carpet and sheet final stock to choose from and can help you with your wood and laminate needs too. Seasteads will come to your home, provide a free estimate, and professionally install their quality brand-name flooring products. For your next flooring project, call the trusted experienced experts at Seasteads 651-224-5474, located across from the new Saints Stadium and online at SeasteadsCarpet.com. Hi, Matt McNeil for Rudy Luther Toyota. One of the best parts of owning a new Toyota from Rudy Luther Toyota is the service that comes with the vehicle. With my service package, I don't pay for anything. Oil changes, routine maintenance, and front-to-back coverage, it's an amazing stress reliever to have the cost of maintaining my vehicle included in the original cost. And Rudy Luther's top-notch staff takes care of everything, making my life even better. Find out more at Rudy Luther Toyota, 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. 
Hello, this is Ellen Krug with Hidden Edges Radio on Sundays from 1 to 2 p.m. Join me this Sunday for an interview with Fox 9 News reporter Iris Perez, who will share a bit about her background and about what it's like to be the only news journalist of Puerto Rican descent in the Twin Cities. On top of that, she's a Latina role model. You'll be inspired by Iris's great outlook on life. Hidden Edges Radio, challenging, passionate, perspective changing. On AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. So how to Crispica just snuck up on us, and you've waited and waited all year to get your carpet cleaned. Getting your carpet zero-res clean makes your home healthier to get rid of the bacteria and dust mites and dander lurking in your carpet. This month, get three-room zero-res clean starting at $129. Plus, this month, you can get great deals getting your air duct zero-res clean. So call zero-res today because your family deserves a clean, fresh-smelling home for the holidays. That's 952-Zero-Res or visit ZeroResMN.com. Zero Res, spell it backward or forward, it spells the same. Hi, this is Norman Goldman from my favorite Minneapolis furniture store, Habitation Furnishing and Design. Let me ask you a question. Do you enjoy your home? Does your furniture make you comfortable? Are you proud to have guests over? With the long winter months shutting us all in and the holidays fast approaching, I encourage you to visit Habitation St. Louis Park Showroom to see what potential awaits. Let Habitation help you craft a space that makes your home the place to be this holiday season. Check them out at HabitationDesign.com. Tell them Norman Goldman sent you. Located just north of 50th in France, the Great Wall Restaurant has provided a delicious taste of authentic Chinese cuisine since 1981. Specializing in Sichuan and Peking dishes, they offer one of the most extensive menus in the Twin Cities. Favorites include hot and sour soup, pan-fried dumplings, and mushu pork with homemade Chinese pancakes. Stop by their Edina location or call for takeout at 952-927-4439. See the full menu at greatwallrestaurant.us. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Hunter Haas. Today, mostly cloudy with a high near 30. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a low around 20. And Sunday, partly sunny with a high near 32. This week's EatLocalMinnesota.com Restaurant of the Week is Nightingale. Their menu is comprised of snacks, bruschettas, and small plates designed for sharing but is sure to satisfy your appetite. Located at 2551 Lindale Avenue South in Minneapolis. Details at EatLocalMinnesota.com. Continuing our conversation on the topic of grief in the holidays, shifting traditions. And uh, at the end of that segment, we talked a little bit about self-care. And uh, Reverend Debbie, uh, you helped to uh, give us some, some points and some ideas about taking care of ourselves during that, uh, that grief process. Um, and I want to continue that conversation. Okay. Yeah, you know, it, it is a time, a stressful time of year. Uh, it certainly can be for people who are grieving. There are a lot of emotional triggers that come up um, when we're in the midst of feeling that emotional and physical pain. Um, I want to say that I'm sitting next to a very dear friend of mine and a team member on Minnesota Hospice. And Heidi has um, someone who has met and leaned into her pain head on many times over. And so I'd love to... Um, have you share your story with our listening audience again? Uh, thank you, Debbie. Um, I'm, I'm honored to be sitting here today, um, and I'm humbled by being invited to share this story with you. I acknowledge that all of you sitting here with me today, as well as everyone out there listening, has a very tender story, and I hold that space um, as I share. So my son Kyle was two and a half when he was diagnosed with cancer, and after a little over two years, we were told that a cure was not going to be found. And throughout that journey of diagnosis, of course, first, because that's really when grief starts, um, and then the relapse and the last weeks of his life, which involved hospice, were um, from the beginning of November to the day of his transition, which was December 18th, uh, 2003. And also Kyle's birthday is January 2nd. So we were not only uh, in the midst of the holiday season, but there's a birthday, a reminder of all the things that he wouldn't be here for, the milestones and experiences of his life that we were no longer going to have. So this time had so much significance and complexity weaved into it. 
And, you know, at that time, they had told us we were looking at three months. And, of course, we held on to the idea that we had all of that time. We had those months together. But as he started to become weaker and experience more discomfort, I knew uh, that we couldn't wait for Christmas. So we put a Christmas gathering together, and we had Santa come. And I tell you, it was so powerful and magical to watch him sit on Santa's lap. Um, there was this innocence and this joy that I just I just can't even find words to describe that. It was as if time froze, and he and my other two sons, Mitch and Michael, they could just be in the moment, and they could just be children and just have that experience. Um, and it is still truly one of my most cherished memories. Well, hey, I, I'm curious. How has that experience, which is just an unbelievable experience, how has that impacted this time of year for you and your family as years have gone on? Hmm. Well, Ken, just like on any journey that we take, it is uh, an accumulation of steps. And in the beginning, it was honestly one step at a time, putting one foot in front of the other. And for me, I found that the days before a holiday or, or like a significant, you know, anniversary date, whether it was a, a time that, you know, he was going through something, um, that that would bring on my grief. And it's that anticipatory grief as the date or the holiday approached that, that I found to be, um, you know, unexpected. So because of that, I realized that I needed to give myself permission to be able to decide in that moment if I would uh, maybe attend a gathering or go over and, and see friends or other loved ones. So I started to tell those close to me that I was a no RSVP person. Um, and to some extent, there were the suggestions of, well, you know, just come. It's going to make you feel better. Or, wow, it's been this long. It, it should be easier for you by now. Oh, and I'm sure that was with good intentions. But how do you respond to that, though, when when, when people say those things to you? Mm -hmm. Well, um, that's a great question because even though there are loving intentions in that, how can they possibly know what you feel or what's best when, when they aren't walking in your experience? And uh, so I found that when I honored my own need to not RSVP, it was transformative. I, um, there were times I didn't go, but having that room to grieve allowed me to also release what I needed to. And then there were times that I could show up, but it was on my terms. Um, or maybe I could be there for just part of it. It's this constant experience of releasing and allowing. What's really important is letting go of those I should haves and I could haves and allowing yourself to express what you need to whether it's the feelings of sadness or those times, those precious times when humor shows up and you just want to embrace it. Um, sleep is very important and also, um, you know, it's, it's part of what keeps us going, but it's also one of the main things that's disrupted when we grieve. So allowing yourself to get sleep when you can. So maybe rather than doing something you normally would have done or spending time with people, you're, you're just staying home and you're taking an extra nap or whatever that looks like for you. Um, there were other experiential things that I needed to move through, like when the holiday decorations would show up in the stores, that would really touch my pain. Um, and the music, wow. You know, music was really important in our family. Um, had a lot of meaning to us. And that could just laser right into my grief wound. And if that came on, then I would feel really sad. Um, so I didn't listen to it. And talk radio became my go-to. One of the traditions that was difficult for me also was um, putting my boys' ornaments on the tree and decorating and kind of creating that festive holiday space in our home. And at the same time, I knew that my boys deserved to have a child's experience of the holiday season. So it was the little things like instead of me decorating the tree, I asked my sons to do it. And at that time, they were 12 and 9. And they would take the ornaments out and something so meaningful uh, started to happen, and I was starting to see this this process emerge. Um, so what would happen is they would they would take out the ornaments, and all of a sudden these stories were coming up because maybe it was one that they had made in school. So they were talking about a favorite teacher, or it was one that a grandparent had given them. So at the time, it had come from my need to be able to cope and also allow for their joy, and it also became a new tradition. They were the ones to put up the decorations where they wanted them. So that led to being, uh, a, you know, a different look in our house because they were creative. Um, 
and they were also the ones to be able to string the light. So each part of it became something that they felt good about, and it wasn't about what mom wasn't doing. It became their contribution. And even though they are in, now in their 20s and all on their own, when they come home, it's still theirs to do, and they look forward to it. So I can only speak to my experience of grief and the holidays, but when I think about what mattered, um, it's also about what others did that really helped me. Yeah, um, boy, that's, uh, that does, does talk about shifting traditions here, our topic today. Um, can you tell us more about that? Well, first, I think most important is to just let go of those expectations. For example, you know, back to the no RSVP, this was uh, not only me creating peace and allowing for myself, but it also showed others around me that when they or someone that they know is grieving, it's not about a schedule or it's not about the way things have always been. It's about allowing for change and having that flexibility that creates a new possibility. And I saw that with my boys. And um, even though grief is painful, it's really been one of my most significant teachers. And we may not think it creates possibility, but it's amazing what happens when we make room for it to be expressed. And by doing this for someone else, we learn that it's definitely okay to do this for ourselves. And there's hope in that. So be gentle with yourself. This is absolutely the time to put yourself first and ask, ask those questions of yourself, like, what do I need right now? Um, what makes you feel good? And then listen to that voice that answers you. It's that voice inside of you um, and honor what it's telling you. Something um, that was really meaningful were those who continued to check in um, or send a card as the weeks and months passed because the reality is that it's not long before the people in our support system are, are back to doing their thing. You know, they have their own lives and families, passions that fulfill them. And in our loss, we experience a harsh reality of how quiet it is without our loved one. We realize how much a part of us that they really are because every day they're in our minds and then our hearts and part of our plans for every moment of what we're going to be doing. Um, and I had, a, I had a dear friend who would send me a card or you know, she'd pick up a little memento for me or a decoration for my desk at work. Or when we were together, she would just start to ask me about Kyle. And she gave me this, it was this little Christmas decoration. It was this cute little tin, and it had three little snowmen in it. And right away when she gave that to me, I knew what that meant. That represented my three boys. And so even though my, I only had two boys physically here, she was acknowledging for me that, that he's, he's still a part of us. So that was, that was huge in helping me. You know, there's this myth that... Uh, saying someone's name causes more pain, but for me, it was just the opposite because I needed to keep talking about him and how much I loved him and how much I missed him and still do. Um, but it showed me that I was allowed to be present with what I was experiencing. There was no judgment about that. And that did and still gives me a lot of peace. You know, that's very interesting um, in how you've, uh, how you've approached that. Actually keeping them present even though they've passed on. And I think especially in a family setting where you've got, you've got siblings and, and their brothers and, and things, um, you continue to tell us more about how, that, you know, how your experiences are with that. Well, it's just so absolutely true that dying is about living. It's about the meaning of someone's life. So no matter the number of years um, that they're here, there was a purpose to their life. They come here for a purpose, and that purpose touches our soul. So our family just found great meaning in uh, being able to do special things for other children in the hospital. You know, we, being on the inside of that, we knew things like uh, lotion Kleenex would bring comfort because, you know, the little ones are constantly having to wipe their nose, and, um, and it gets a little sore when you're doing that a lot. So we would spend our Christmases, uh, you know, gathering gifts and little items, snacks for their siblings who oftentimes are also with them when they're, you know, going through their treatments or surgeries or whatever that is. So um, it really is uh, kind of whatever speaks to you and whatever resonates with you. Um, and I know that a lot of people will discover a calling or a way to create purpose in their lives from the pain, such as joining an organization that benefits others. So uh, I know that that was true for us. Did you uh, attend any support groups 
You know, I, I did. And for me, it was comforting um, just to be able to look into someone's eyes and know that they saw me. I didn't have to say a word. Um, they just knew that loss that I felt and how complex it really is. And it was also helpful for me to be with people who were further down the road, so to speak, um, to see that it wasn't going to feel like this forever, um, but also that there wasn't a clock or a calendar sitting over, um, over us. I would look at them and I would think, all that they've been through, and here they are smiling, and through their own pain, continue to give. Thank you, Heidi. I would love to continue that conversation a bit more after the break. You are listening to the Minnesota Hospice Radio Show, presented by Minnesota Hospice. We will be right back to continue our discussion on grief in the holidays, shifting traditions. By 11, smoking herb and drinking burning liquor. Never rich, so we were out to make that steady bigger. This holiday season, think outside the everyday chocolate box. Make a splash with your friends, family, and clients with elegantly packaged artisan chocolates from Chocolat Celeste. Come taste the intoxicating flavor of the finest European chocolate, handcrafted with love by founder and chocolatier Mary Leonard. Mary and her staff will help you understand the kind of chocolate that everyone wants and dreams about. Watch while the recipient opens the box. It's like a beautiful piece of holiday artwork. Then watch them taste the sweet and complex flavors for Angelico, gingerbread, and Thai spice. Make your way to Chocolat Celeste. Open weekdays 10 to 5.30 and Saturday 10 to 5 p.m. Can't make it to Chocolat Celeste? Browse our website, chocolatceleste.com. View the holiday and corporate gift guides. Need help? Call Mary at 651-644-3823. Chocolat Celeste, the way chocolate is meant to be. Visit STEM and check out their new house-infused vodkas. STEM now has the largest collection of infused vodkas in the state. Enjoy exotic flavors like blueberry mango, peach cardamom, and spiced pear. STEM is open Tuesday through Saturday at 4 p.m. and features a collection of global small lot wines, craft cocktails, and small plates in a comfortable atmosphere. They look forward to your visit. Be sure to check out STEM at stemminneapolis.com to keep up with wine tasting events and new menu items. Join us each Monday morning at 7 a.m. for Social Entrepreneur, where things don't always go as planned, like when your family walks in while you're recording. <laughs> I'm just getting rid of my family. I was about to have one of those BBC News moments. I was just it. going to say, that was you know, just no, like the BBC I've, News. I've already. just waved them away. No way. <laughs> so join us each Monday at 7 a.m. for Social Entrepreneur. Hear the stories of people just like you who are making a difference on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Expedition Journal, entry number seven. It's been a week since I entered this vast land called Big Buy Electronics in search of a digital camera. Today, I encountered several people calling themselves employees, but they only spoke of car stereos knowing nothing of cameras. So I continued westward through endless forests of CDs and DVDs. By evening, I took refuge near some televisions to regain my bearings. I begin to wonder if this camera department is a myth. I should have heeded my colleagues and gone to National Camera. Their knowledge and customer service is the stuff of legend. But it is too late for me now. Tell my wife I love her. At National Camera Exchange, our price guarantee means we'll match any local store price any day of the week. And now during our huge holiday sale, the prices get even better. You'll even get free digital photo classes with any camera or camcorder purchase. Seven years old, my mama told me, Go make yourself some friends or you'll be lonely. Once I was seven years old. Welcome back to the Minnesota Hospice Radio Show, presented by Minnesota Hospice. World, my name is Ken Hagelin, and I'm here with Reverend Debbie Meckley and medical social worker Heidi Simon. In the last segment, we uh, had a touching story by Heidi. Uh, about a personal loss that she experienced. And uh, she talked about uh, some of the mechanisms that, that she incorporated into that process of grieving that has helped her and her family. I, I also wanted to ask a question. Um, what about counseling? 
do. What are mm-hmm. your thoughts about uh, using counseling to help people through that grieving process? Well, and that's another great question, Ken, because the truth of it all is, is that we're um, we're not going to be that same person we were before the loss. That loved one um, stirred something inside of us. There was a love that was so powerful that we feel a wound when they're gone from our sight, and that wound deserves gentleness, a time to heal, and. Um, we're truly in a process of evolving who we are as we move through this. And for me, I know that it led me here to um, a work that I'm so passionate about, which is end-of-life care and hospice. So, um, But I think that if you're experiencing grief in a way that causes you to feel that you need that extra support, go to counseling um, if that feels right for you. Again, there's that voice inside of us that's there to tell us what we need. Um, and I think that it's really important for us to listen. And if we're a loved one or a caregiver of someone who's grieving and um, you know, you're seeing that there might be that need, then offer to go with them and help them take that first step. Um, you know, we. Um, I wanted to, to touch on something that was really helpful to me. Um, my great friend and colleague here, Debbie, when I was doing some coaching with her, shared this beautiful meditation called New Beginnings. And it's just so ironic to me that she shared that today with our team. We had a team meeting this morning. And this meditation is exactly what we're talking about, how to, uh, to transform ourselves and how this experience can turn pain into purpose. Okay. Well, I would encourage anybody, um, if you have the opportunity, to just take a few deep breaths and to center yourself. And if you haven't meditated before, just allow yourself to soften your entire body. And begin by thanking the Divine for all the gifts in your life right now. Appreciating where you have been is a magical key to moving forward. Every situation and relationship from your past has taught you something useful, purposeful, and intentional. It has made you who you are here today. So notice the things that have outlived their usefulness. What keeps you stuck? What stops you from living your deepest self? Recognize the obstacles to achieving the changes that you choose to make for your own life. Begin to make mental notes of all of those things that you may be ready to release and breathe that in. Where are you still holding resentment for another, possibly towards yourself? Let all your fears, worries, doubts, disappointments, even the anger, allow it to surface in your mind and just envision them as muddy, a stream of water that's flowing out of you as you breathe. And see yourself releasing old hurts, sadness, imbalance, and injustice in your own life from the past and the present. Feel them dissolving, pouring out of your body right here, right now. Now let them go. Release all the should-haves, could-haves, if-onlys. There are many layers to let go of, so for right now, simply let go of those things that you're able to do so. Just release them effortlessly. And now see what items relationships or situations you've outgrown what needs to shift take time to express gratitude for the lessons that have been learned and then visualize them gently leaving or changing form to promote your new reality perhaps you see them in beautiful vibrant colors now as you free yourself from the past you open up new spaces for fresh honest authentic relationships and conversations, exciting new opportunities to come into your life. As the old energy flows out, experience a new lightness, feel a new power and vitality entering into your body and your mind, opening up space for compassion, for forgiveness, for new health, for prosperity and success, and invite in those people those people who are able to respect, honor, and support every aspect of your growth and your change. You are shifting now, so feel this in your physical body, for it is real, I promise. Dwell in this space for a short time, opening your heart and expressing gratitude for the opportunity to grow and move forward. Honor and acknowledge yourself. 
be courageous, clear, and clean your own house. Now imagine that you can breathe in the qualities that you need for this new part of your life. Breathe in courage to be true to yourself. Just breathe that in. Breathe in patience, discipline, spontaneity. Breathe in anything that you feel would assist you in your new beginning. And see yourself strong and positive, clear and courageous, certain yet serene as you desire to be. So in your mind's eye, picture what you would like to receive in your life and imagine yourself easily receiving these gifts. Feel yourself radiating with positive energy as you attract new people, new ideas, and new situations into your life. See yourself joyful again and content with this new reality, this new tradition, this new shift. So begin by taking a few deep breaths. Gently move your fingers and toes. Begin to move your head from side to side. Keeping your eyes closed, I invite you to take three final breaths. And when you're ready, come back. Open your eyes. Many blessings for a happy new you. And so it is. So as we begin to close this day, um, and uh, we'll, uh, I introduce what we're going to be talking about next week. Um, we'll still be in grief in the holidays, but join us when we talk about feeling the grief before your loss and the impact that this can have on the dying process, both for the person who is approaching death and the family member as well. We're going to talk about having courageous conversations that really bring about relief and that opened doors for a more joyful, memorable conversation to be had with our family, our friends, and the loved one who is um, experiencing this end-of-life process. And again, we'll be offering resources and strategies to cope with anticipatory grief before, during, and after your loss. So as always, we invite questions from our listeners and stories that um, you will share with us. Thank you, Reverend Debbie. Uh, this has been just a, a very emotional show for me personally. I, I really appreciate you guys being here. Um, and Heidi, thank you so much for uh, sharing that very personal story. Um, we, uh, we hear those stories from our patients and our families every week, and we're very honored to be a part of that. That concludes our show for today. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please feel free to contact us with questions or comments regarding today's show, or let us know of topics you'd like for us to discuss in the future. You can reach us at 612-930-3339. Once again, thank you. 